This week on Geek Explained, in a special Thanksgiving edition of the podcast, we're diving into the history of Marvel's favorite archer. No, not Hawkeye. I'm talking about Hawkeye. So join me as I Geek Explain Kate Bishop. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Kazana, and today's episode is a special Thanksgiving Eve edition of the podcast. As you are listening to this, tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and with it, we are also seeing the premiere of Disney Plus and Marvel's Hawkeye, which is going to be starring Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld in the titular roles, and... To that point, we're going to be doing another edition of our Geek Explained series where I basically tell you all about a character that's popping up in superhero or comic book media. And this time, we're diving into the history of one Catherine Bishop, the newest Hawkeye, the newest Avenger, and a future young Avenger, I'm calling it, and I've been calling it. She has... Probably one of the strangest uh, and most topsy-turvy histories in the short time she's been around. So we're going to be talking about her entire comic book history as well as giving you some comics to check out. We also have, of course, this week's Comics Countdown, where I talk to you about all the comics you should be picking up this week. But before we get into that, let's check in with this week's news. All right, guys and dolls, let's talk news. We have our four categories, film, TV, comics, and miscellaneous. I'm going to put a quick disclaimer here. I am recording this a little bit in advance because I have a very busy Thanksgiving week. So if some of my news is outdated or if I miss something, rest assured I will be picking up everything next week if I miss it. But for the news that we are talking about this week, no comic book news, so we're going to dive straight into miscellaneous news. One big piece of video game news, Warner Brother Entertainment, Warner Brother, like it's just one, like they just had a separation. Warner Brothers Entertainment announced a multiversus game. That's right, even Warner Brothers is getting in on the multiverse game. And they announced a Super Smash Bros. Lite uh, kind of similar game where it's going to be featuring all Warner Brothers properties. Basically, it's the new Space Jam movie, except instead of uh, basketball, they're going to be just beating the crap out of each other. Uh, lots of lots of potential here. So far, they've announced 13 playable characters. I'm not going to run through them all, but there's characters like, of course, we have the Trinity, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. We have uh, Jake from Adventure Time. We've got uh, Steven Universe, and I think the most surprising and the most exciting for a lot of people, Ultra Instinct Shaggy confirmed. Uh, Shaggy is gonna be is gonna break the entire meta. He's gonna be the only person that people play, but. 
Big news about this. It's going to be dropping in 2022. It is going to be a free-to-play game uh, that supports 1v1, 2v2, and 4-player Battle Royale style. Again, very similar to Smash Bros. Everybody's trying to get in on that now that uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate has completed its roster. And um, it's it's interesting that they're going through, because it's going to be on multiple platforms. There's cross-platform uh, gaming, cross-platform progression. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this develops and how the roster builds out. They've also got characters like Arya Stark. It's really weird. They've got different uh, types, like it's an RPG or something here. They've got tanks, they've got mages, they've got assassins and stuff like that. So it sounds fun. Um, I will wait to see you know reviews and whatnot, but it's a very interesting development for Warner Brothers games. Games while there are still no news about a Superman game, I'll just continue to suffer. But next, as we are going to film news, one piece of film news here, One Piece, I think it's appropriate, because One Piece has announced a new film slated for 2022 called One Piece Red, focused on the red-haired Shanks character, my third favorite One Piece character, and no, I won't tell you who my other two are for now, gotta keep I gotta, I gotta keep a mystery going, but this seems to be focusing just on Shanks, which is exciting. We don't get a whole lot of stories that feature just him, so that should be interesting. Moving on over to TV news, we wrap up the new segment. Speaking of One Piece, One Piece celebrates 1,000 episodes. It dropped its 1,000th episode this past week, featuring different uh, clips from the previous 1,000 episodes. Uh, developments, of course, they are in the Wano arc, no spoilers, but uh, this is really cool. One Piece has gotten to an exalted place uh the only show that i can think of that feels like it's had a thousand episodes is inuyasha and 95 percent of its filler so i'm very excited i've always loved one piece i think it's just so fun and the journey that they've gone on has been really really cool and i've finally caught up to wano so i am interested to see you know how that whole arc shakes out uh jumping on over to dc with tv news batwoman Batwoman has announced that Poison Ivy will be making her debut, kind of. Uh, the character of Kate, who is essentially, um, or no, her name's not Kate. I can't remember her name right now. It's very early. But uh, Kate Kane's half-sister is basically, with the whole arc of like the Batman's rogues weapons and stuff, getting out into the city, um, Kate's half-sister is now going to be getting a Poison Ivy upgrade. So I think this is cool. Um, having an Asian Poison Ivy's kick-ass. So uh, they announced that, showed off a character poster and everything. So all thumbs up here. And then on the Disney Plus side of things, Ahsoka has found its Sabine Wren. We do know that, of course, Hayden Christensen will be coming back for that, and there is rumors that Ezra Bridger and Thrawn will be making their live-action debuts as well. No confirmations yet, but rumors are abounds. Uh, but one thing we do have confirmed is that Sabine Wren will be making an appearance if you watched Rebels all the way through like I did, and I loved it. 
you would know that at the end of that show, Ahsoka and Sabine went off into the galaxy to find Ezra. So Sabine Wren will be played by Natasha Liu Bordizo. I am unfamiliar with her. Uh, she's done a bunch of uh, TV, though. She's got few TV credits. Um, young Asian actress, really cool, excited about that. I'm a little sad that it's not uh, Tia Sirkar, uh, who is the voice of Sabine Wren in Rebels and is also an accomplished actress and improver herself. Uh, she was one of my favorite characters in The Good Place. Uh, but yeah, I get it. It's whatever. Um, a lot of love has been sent uh, Tia's way, and I will join in with that. But I am excited to see what Natasha brings to the role, and Ahsoka might be a sleeper hit. I'm still unsure if I'm excited about it or not. I had my feelings that I articulated while we were doing the Mandalorian review, but I am cautiously optimistic about Ahsoka. We will just have to see from there. But that is going to do it for this week's news. And speaking of Disney Plus properties, that is going to bring us right on into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, as I geeksplain Kate Bishop. It's time to walk the walk and talk the hawk. I. That sounded a lot better in my head. It is now time for the latest edition of our Geeksplained series, where I take a specific character, team from the world of comics, and Geeksplain them to you. And with the premiere of a brand new Disney Plus series, Today, as you are listening to this, we are diving into the comic book history of one Kate Bishop, Hawkeye herself. Uh, I've been waiting to do this one. I wanted to do this a while back when the series was announced and when it was announced that she would be part of it, but I held off because of synergy. And I'm very excited to dive into this because Kate Bishop has been one of my favorite Marvel characters for a good long while now. I'm a sucker for a female legacy character. See also Laura Kinney, a.k.a. Wolverine. And I absolutely love any single time that she pops up in any story. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. I'm going to get some of the basics out of the way, and then we're going to just go ahead and jump into her history. So Hawkeye, aka Kate Bishop, aka Hawkette, aka Lady Hawkeye, aka Hawkingbird made her first appearance in Young Avengers number one way back in the far-flung past of February 2005. She was created by Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung, and her team affiliations include Hawkeye Investigations, the Young Avengers, the West Coast Avengers, and the Secret Avengers. Her powers and abilities include a, include being a skilled athlete, a proficient martial artist, and a master marksman and archer. And her common equipment includes her 
trademark bow and trick arrows. She also employs from time to time battle staves, similar to those used by Mockingbird, as well as the sword of the swordsmen and a, for a short time, a Cree composite soul bow. A little bit more on that later. But that does it for the basics on Kate Bishop. So let's dive into the wacky history behind the world's best Hawkeye. So Kate Bishop was born to Derek and Eleanor Bishop, who were a rich socialite Manhattan family. Uh, Kate was born into a world of luxury, wanting for nothing, and basically being raised to be a spoiled brat. Uh, her father dealt with some real sketchy supervillains. He got a lot of his um, a lot of his wealth through making deals with some of the worst villains in the entire Marvel universe. And at one point, one of those deals went south. Kate, as a little girl, followed her father to a deal with the villain El Matador. And when she was discovered to be spying on them, El Matador kidnapped Kate and held her for ransom. Her family were a little slow on the uptake and that was the first time that Kate realized that her parents might not be good people it would not be the last time but fortunately Kate was rescued by the Avengers and out of all of the super powered super heroes that were saving her in this instance one hero caught her eye that being Clint Barton aka Hawkeye. She was immediately smitten with the idea of being on a super team without any superpowers, and from then on idolized the blue and purple clad archer all the way up until her adulthood. Now, Kate continued on living as a socialite in Manhattan. Uh, her sister was eventually uh, about to be married, and unfortunately, sometime before the marriage, Kate was uh, assaulted in Central Park. This drove her to decide to pursue mastery of combat, as well as self-defense. She became incredibly proficient in several different types of martial arts and trained herself in several different types of equipment and weapons to make sure that what happened to her would never happen again. Flashing forward to her sister's wedding, after taking the time to train extensively, Kate while attending her sister's wedding, encountered the young Avengers when they came crashing through while, do while doing battle with another of the many villainous forces that populate the Marvel Universe. Kate actually ends up saving the young Avengers in this instance and helps them to evade the police who arrive following the altercation. After this, she decides to team up with Cassie Lang, the daughter of of former Ant-Man Scott Lang, who had died recently in the events of Avengers Disassembled, and the two of them decided to track down these new young Avengers to find out what they're all about and possibly join up with their ranks. The two ended up following the Young Avengers to the remains of the Avengers Mansion, which had been destroyed in the Avengers Disassembled event just in time to see the Young Avengers 
encounter Kang the Conqueror, who had traveled back from his future to investigate a very important instance in the timeline, something that wasn't supposed to happen, but that garnered enough interest from Kang to return to the present day. Kate, while the Young Avengers battled with Kang, donned some of the gear that was left behind by the Avengers in the ruins of the mansion, including gear from Mockingbird, Swordsman, and Hawkeye, who had also recently been killed in the events of Avengers Disassembled, to assist the Young Avengers in battling Kang. Meanwhile, Cassie Lang was able to get her hands on some tech, and the two of them joined up with the Young Avengers to do battle with and eventually defeat Kang, sending him back into the time stream just as the Young Avengers caught the eye of the now New Avengers. These Young Avengers, which included Patriot, Hulkling, Wiccan, and Iron Lad, drew the ire of these New Avengers due to the fact that none of them were really connected to any of the Avengers. Hulkling wasn't even a member of the Hulk family. He was a he was a Cree Skrull hybrid. And with all of the drama surrounding this team, they were out to make a statement. And a statement they did make, as during one of the initial conflicts between the Young Avengers and the New Avengers, Kate straight up told Captain America, get out of our way, you don't want to help us, fine, we are going to do our own thing, we are going to blaze our own path, and either you can get on board or get out of the way. And this seemed to flip a switch for Captain America and the Avengers team as a whole as following the events of this confrontation, Cap actually sent Mockingbird to give Kate Clint's old gear, officially dubbing her the new Hawkeye. Now this uh, show of faith ended up driving Kate to side with Cap in the ensuing superhuman civil war, the Young Avengers as a whole pretty much sided with the anti-registration side, and unfortunately, during this um, during this event, Captain America Steve Rogers would end up being taken into custody and later killed. Following the death of Cap, a new Initiative secretly was undertaken by Nick Fury and the highest among S.H.I.E.L.D. to find a brand new Captain America, which brought Kate Bishop face-to-face with Clint Barton for the very first time. A revived Clint had been the, if not first, definitely second choice by Nick Fury to become the new Captain America due to his skill, his tenure fighting alongside Captain America, and his expert markman skills. Now, this meeting was very interesting because this was the first time that Kate and Clint really met, and this was Hawkeye meeting Captain America, or a potential Captain America. And Kate immediately told Clint that he was doing the wrong thing, didn't believe in Fury's initiative to find a new Captain America, and told Clint that if he wants to honor Cap, he needs to walk his own path. 
The two of them parted ways with Clint ultimately turning the shield back over to Fury and deciding to take up the mantle of Ronin. Now, following this um, first ever meeting of Hawkeye and Hawkeye, Kate continued to battle with the Young Avengers through several different conflicts, including Secret Invasion and Siege, the team only growing stronger and closer together during all of this universe-shattering events. However, there would be one event that would strike at the heart of the team and cause them to take a sharp left turn in the history of their partnership. And that is, of course, the Children's Crusade. So during this event, there was an incident with Wiccan where his powers seemed to go on the fritz. Wiccan, alongside teammate Speed, had long been theorized as Scarlet Witch's reincarnated children with the vision. Now, Billy and Tommy were essentially almost carbon copies of Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, with Billy having powers very similar to Wanda's, and Tommy, of course, having very similar powers to Quicksilver. Now, this had always been kind of at the back of everyone's mind, never really coming to the forefront of the story, but after all of the terrible things that had happened to the X-Men over the course of the existence of the Young Avengers with House of M, Decimation, and everything that had happened, Wanda had gone missing. And with the eruption of Wiccan's powers during an incident while battling with the Young Avengers, the old Avengers, slash the new Avengers, I don't want to be rude, uh, decided to take Wiccan in and keep him under custody in the fear that his powers may eventually develop into Wanda Maximoff-level trouble. However, the rest of the team alongside Kate rallied together to break Billy out of custody, and the team embarked on a journey to go find Wanda to see if ultimately her and Billy were related. Now, to do this, the Young Avengers decided to make a deal with the devil. Not Mephisto or anything like that devil, but someone who had a pretty similar track record, that of course being Magneto. Magneto and Quicksilver, who to the wider world were still very much considered villains, though each of them had taken slightly heroic turns since their days as the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, were very quick to help out the Young Avengers in the interest of saving Wanda and making sure that she stayed safe. The team alongside the silver-haired dad-son duo traveled to Wondagore to try and find Wanda and set the record straight. However, upon finding Wanda, they found that due to the events of her mind fracturing, the events of House of M and Decimation, Wanda was amnesiac. She didn't remember anything that was going on in her life, and in fact, had been 
taken in and was to be wed to one Victor Von Doom. That's right, Dr. Doom himself decided to bring in Wanda and keep her under his watchful eye as his potential bride-to-be. However, during this event and during the events of trying to get to some kind of equilibrium with Wanda's memories, Iron Lad, who had gone missing during the many adventures of the Young Avengers, returned and pulled everyone into the time stream. And by everyone, I mean the Young Avengers as well as Wanda. The Young Avengers and Wanda ended up arriving on the day of Avengers Disassembled, when Wanda's powers went on the fritz and multiple Avengers were killed and the team was disbanded. Now, during this trip back in time, they encountered not only Jack of Hearts, who was set to explode, but also Cassie's deceased father, Scott Lang, who at this time was serving as Ant-Man. Now, with the time stream being somewhat in flux as things were, Cassie ended up actually saving her father from death, from the explosion that in the Avengers Disassembled storyline ultimately killed him. And instead, it was revealed that for this at least retconned uh, continuity. In fact, Scott never died. He was just pulled into the future because when the Young Avengers, Iron Lad, and Wanda returned to the present day, Scott Lang was brought with them. Now, this was a pretty exciting victory for everyone involved, with Wanda also getting a portion of her memories back. However, tragedy would soon strike when, upon trying to settle up the risk of Wanda's powers going on the fritz once again, her powers were actually robbed from her and absorbed by Doctor Doom, with Victor believing that only he had the strength and the willpower to control Wanda's chaotic powers over probability and chaos. During this battle with Doctor Doom, Cassie was ultimately killed, trading one Lang for another by the end of this story. Doom was ultimately defeated, and the powers returned to Wanda. However, in their grief and their shared romantic history with Cassie, Iron Lad clashed with the new young Vision, who had been built out of Iron Lad's brain patterns as well as scraps of his old armor, similarly to how the original Vision was built out of the brain waves of Wonder Man. I still have a grudge against you. And the two having clashed over the romantic advances of Cassie Lang after her passing, it came to a boiling point and Iron Lad destroyed the vision before returning into the time stream to ultimately become Kang. Now, following the events of this with two of their members dead and another missing and potentially on a path to become a villain, the Young Avengers disbanded. 
However, this wasn't the end of Kate's superheroic career, because Kate, following the disbanding of the Young Avengers, or the disassembling, if you will, uh, decided to turn back to her supposed mentor, the man who she derived her superhero codename from, Clint Barton. She began to assist Clinton's street-level battles in between his big ol' exciting adventures with the Avengers, and at one point assisted in rescuing Clint from one Madam Mask. Kate went so far as to infiltrate the incredibly sketchy country known as Madripoor to save Clint from Madam Mask, ultimately clearing his name from a conspiracy conspiracy that was going to expose him as a traitor to the United States to the world. Ultimately, of course, this potential evidence proved to be false, and the two of them decided to team up on the regular. However, eventually, following the death of a close friend, a rift began to grow between Kate and Clint, and eventually, tensions boiled to a point where Kate had to get out of her situation with Clint, and so she took Lucky, who was Clint's dog at the time, and moved from the east coast all the way down to the west coast she moved into my neck of the woods los angeles and began a private investigator business to not only make some money and get into some of the shady dealings that happens in hollywood but also to research her dad's private dealings because following the events of the el matador incident you would expect that knowing that his daughter would be put in harm's way mr Derek bishop would choose to leave that life behind but oh no ladies and gentlemen It's a hard habit to shake when you're making good money at the hands of evildoers. So Kate continued to research her dad's evil dealings, and during her escapades in Los Angeles, eventually crossed paths with Madame Mask once again, who was seeking revenge for Kate spoiling her plot to frame Clint Barton, and the two of them clashed with each of them getting wins here and there. Madame Mask ended up killing a close friend of Kate's and framing her for his murder. Kate ultimately did clear her name and defeat Madame Mask before her Connections with S.H.I.E.L.D. allowed her to find out about some of the trouble that Clint was getting back into over in New York. She and Lucky returned to New York just in time to help defeat the bros, the tracksuit mafia, as well as a killer clown sent to finish off Clint and his brother Barney. And together, the three archers saved the inhabitants of the building that Clint was basically owning at this point. Following the events of this and back in New York for a short time, Kate got swept up in a romance with one Novar, a.k.a. Marvel Boy, who is just the worst and also sometimes the best. It's hard to keep that straight, as is Novar. Anyway, so (laughs) uh, the two of them, after having a one-night stand, Kate 
woke up to find out that she was in space and got caught up in some of Novar's dealings with his cosmic adventures or misadventures is probably the more accurate term during this and during being abducted by a Kree ship, Kate was able to use a Kree soul composite bow to not only save herself as well as Novar, but also secure them passage for her to get home. Upon returning to Earth, Kate ended up crossing paths with former teammates Billy, Teddy, and new teammates, a young Loki and America Chavez, and the group decided to reform the Young Avengers. This second iteration of the group battled all sorts of street-level as well as more cosmic-level threats, including the parasite known as Mother, who was not just a universal threat, it was a multiversal threat, and thanks to the powers of America Chavez, the team pursued Mother across the multiverse, also picking up mutant prodigy, prodigy, prodigy as another teammate, and battling Mother as well as its influence across the multiverse, eventually defeating Mother and saving the multiverse from the threat of this parasitic force. However, at the conclusion of this gigantic odyssey, Kate decided to break off the relationship with Novar following the final battle with Mother, with Novar admitting that he still had feelings for his now-recently-revived ex. Following this, and following the expansion of the Young Avengers scope, Kate was sent by S.H.I.E.L.D. to Antarctica to retrieve items from Project Communion, which was a secret weapons project, aren't they all when it comes to S.H.I.E.L.D.? However, the weapons that sh that Kate was sent to retrieve from this Antarctic base were revealed to be kids who had been experimented on and forcibly given powers by this Project Communion, which was, again, overseen by S.H.I.E.L.D. S.H.I.E.L.D. gets into a lot of shady stuff. It's always terrible, and it's never in the interest of the greater good. However... Kate decided to recruit Clint to rebel against S.H.I.E.L.D. and rescue the kids from their custody, taking them and making a fast escape because not only were S.H.I.E.L.D. interested in getting these kids, so was Hydra. However, during the ensuing escape, the kids lost control of their powers because they're kids and they don't understand how to use said powers, and ended up accidentally killing some of the Hydra agents that were in pursuit. Due to this, Clint decided that the safest hands really were shields as he decided to give the kids up to shield again reinvigorating the the rift that had grown previously between clint and kate eventually however clint decided that he had made the wrong decision. He found kate reunited with her and the two of them alongside clint's brother barney rescued the kids, liberated them from S.H.I.E.L.D. custody, and took them away to Barney's Island home, where they would stay with him and live, hopefully, in peace ever after. However, following this, Clint and Kate separated once again, but this time it was amicably the two of them deciding we are 
too good together, so we'll just need to spread the influence of Hawkeye separately. Now, following the events of the kids and Project Communion, Kate, doing one last favor for Clint before they separated as partners, was house-sitting for Clint as he was on an Avengers mission when who would show up but a time-displaced old man Logan would barge in, having recently been plucked from his home timeline and plopped into the 616 following the events of Secret Wars, the gigantic, possibly best-ever Marvel event, and... Logan was basically there to find his old buddy Clint to make sense of where he was. However, Logan was not met by the Hawkeye he was looking for. It was, of course, Kate Bishop who ended up deciding to team with Logan, not just to help him make peace with this past that he found himself in, but also to help convince him that this was not the past of his timeline, that things could be changed, and that if he wanted to make the biggest impact it was to help out the heroes of today. Following this, there was an incident. Thanos, in his pursuit of the Infinity Stones and to get all of the power that he could in service of Lady Death, returned to Earth and in the ensuing battle with Earth's Mightiest Heroes, one James Rhodes was unfortunately killed. The death of War Machine sent a shockwave through the superhero community, with the two most affected by this death, Tony Stark, Rhodey's best friend, and Captain Marvel Carol Danvers, who had been romantically involved with Rhodey at the time, being split right down the middle during the events of Civil War II. This whole conflict kicked off with the powers of Ulysses, a an inhuman who had the power to essentially predict future events. This quickly devolved into that one Tom Cruise movie where there's future crimes and there's not any real accountability on trying to stop people who hadn't done crimes yet. And while initially Kate was preoccupied with consoling America Chavez, who had been on the battlefield when Rhodey was killed. Kate ultimately was brought into the conflict when a vision from Ulysses showed that Bruce Banner would soon be going on a worldwide rampage as the Hulk. This was a worldwide threat, and so the Avengers absolutely went balls to the wall, got every single gun that they could, guns of course being the superheroes on their roster, and converged on Bruce Banner's underground bunker, believing that he could snap at any moment. What ended up snapping, however, was the string on a certain archer's bow, as during the confrontation with Bruce Banner, Clint let loose an arrow that found its way into Bruce Banner's skull, killing him. However, following this, Clint was apprehended and brought to trial, but during the trial itself, there was testimony brought in with 
video evidence of Bruce Banner making the deal with Clint to kill him if ever the threat of the Hulk should return. Therefore, Clint was let out as a not guilty verdict rang out across the world. This did not help out Kate, however, because the public perception against not just the Clint Barton Hawkeye, but Hawkeye in general, had been soured following the essential murder of Bruce Banner. And the public decided to turn against Kate, taking out their aggression of Clint Barton on the young archer and ultimately driving Kate to side with Iron Man against Captain Marvel's side in the climactic battle of Civil War II. Kate just can't help getting on the wrong side, or I guess the losing side, since right and wrong is a bit more morally gray, especially when it comes to these Civil War events. However, of course, as we know, Captain Captain Marvel's side did end up winning with Tony Stark being basically killed, though technically just put into a very, 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 very deep coma. Post-Civil War II, Kate decided that New York is way too wild for me, so she returned to L.A. to set up Hawkeye Investigations, a private investigator company that she, with various street-level heroes, utilized to help solve crimes and keep Kate's somewhat tarnished reputation as Hawkeye on the upswing. However... Her decision to reinstate Hawkeye Investigations would pale in comparison with the decision to form a brand new, all new, all different West Coast Avengers, which included Clint Barton making his return to the West Coast Avengers. You can't have West Coast Avengers without Clint Barton. I'm sorry, you can't. But the two Hawkeyes were joined by Gwenpool, America Chavez, our boy Quentin Quire, as well as Kate's boyfriend at the time, Johnny Watts. At this point, he went by the name Fuse, and I believe he still continues to go by the name Fuse. During this new reformation of the West Coast Avengers, the... Decision was made by the two Hawkeyes to get some good publicity and some money for the team to fund them, so they decided to make the West Coast Avengers not just a brand new team, but a brand new reality TV show, very much in the same vein as the New Warriors prior to their abrupt cancellation during the opening salvo of Civil War. This one went much better because the team, who were eclectic as hell, and I think I'm putting that lightly, decided to use their newfound internet fame to gain popularity as well as solve the problems that struck Los Angeles as well as really the West Coast as a whole. And this, of course, during the events of War of the Realms, brought them to San Francisco. Another city on the west coast in california that was being protected by a commonly new york-esque hero the superior spider-man otto octavius now under the guise of the superior spider-man was the man protecting the city when 
all manner of freaky stuff came in from all over the different realms of the Marvel multiverse during the gigantic conflict. Another excellent event, by the way, War of the Realms rules. The two sides, the West Coast Avengers, assisted Superior Spider-Man in battling back frost giants and all other manners of mystical creatures, saving the West Coast until the conflict could be concluded. Following this, in the final arc of the West Coast Avengers book, they battled against a brand new West Coast Masters of Evil. Can you believe it? I I, I love this book. Uh, as well as... Okay, giving the opportunity for Kate to reunite with her mother, Eleanor, who unfortunately was still caught up in some evil stuff. Defeating the Masters of the Universe... Masters of the Universe? Defeating the Masters of Evil ultimately gave them their greatest triumph as a team, but it would spell the end of the team as the book wrapped up abruptly when it was canceled after just 11 issues. 11 or 10, give or take. But that is going to do it for Kate's comic book history. Now, Kate has had a wide and wandering arc throughout the Marvel Universe, but I've got a feeling her best stories are still yet to come. And speaking of those stories, I'm going to round things out for this Geek Explained session with some recommended reading. If you want to check out Kate Bishop's many, 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 many misadventures, uh, the first one I have to recommend, of course, is Hawkeye by Matt Fraction and David Aja, one of my favorite comics ever. Period. Nonstop. Top 10 easily also known as one of the best comics that marvel has put out in at least the last 10 to 15 years if not ever a wonderful story featuring both of the hawkeyes and it is incredible i'd also recommend the young avengers 2005 series written by Alan Heinberg with art by Jim Chung. This is the formation of the Young Avengers as well as the comic book debut of Kate Bishop. The first stint of the Young Avengers is super fun. It's this ragtag team that don't really know how to work together yet, trying to fight out from under the shadow of the new Avengers and succeeding, might I add. does have a tragic end with the Children's Crusade event, but it is strong storytelling all the way through. I'd also recommend the second inst or the second stint of Young Avengers, their 2013 series written by Kieran Gillen with art by Jamie McKelvey. Really, really fun, eclectic storytelling this with a brand new roster including characters like america chavez and kid loki make this decidedly different from the original young avengers run this one aiming to be a bit more young reader friendly with it being a bit more pop focused and paced as well uh, i really enjoy this run it's kind of a toss-up between the first or the second run of the young avengers on which i like more but you cannot go wrong reading either one or both. I'd also recommend Hawkeye by Kelly Thompson and Leo Romero. This was Kate's very first solo series following the conclusion of the 2013 Young Avengers series. Great storytelling. Kelly Thompson just 
is incredible at writing Kate, has a wonderful voice for her, and that Leo Romero art is chef's kiss. I would also recommend, also by Kelly Thompson, the West Coast Avengers book from 2018, Cut short far, far, far too soon. I loved this book. This was everything that I wanted this book to be. And unfortunately, I guess sales or a, you know, company mandate decided that this book would be ending before its time. The art by Stefano Caselli is also incredible. This was the first book that got me onto the Stefano Caselli train, and he has just been knocking things out of the park ever since. Um, This collection of stories, these five stories, I think really do represent Kate at her best. They're also, I think, a pretty great through line for Kate in her superhero career. Start off with the Young Avengers 2005, head into Young Avengers 2013, pepper in Hawkeye by Matt Fraction, as well as Hawkeye by Kelly Thompson and Leo Romero, and you can round things out with West Coast Avengers. Kate's story has always been about the underdog. Kate has fought through so freaking much just so much. She is a character who has persevered through the worst of times as well as the best of times and has always found a way to fight through and achieve her goals. And that also means that she is getting, of course, a brand new series to coincide with the Disney Plus series Hawkeye, which is dropping, uh, let me check my watch, Today, the first two episodes, as you are listening to this, should be available to stream on Disney+, Plus. with Corporate Synergy being what it is, a brand new Hawkeye miniseries featuring Kate Bishop as she makes her way back to New York, is going to be hitting stands on Comixology, as well as your local comic book shop. And speaking of that comic book, book series welcome back to this week's comics countdown this is the segment of our show where i talk about the comics that i think you should be picking up this week whether it's at your local comic book shop a comiXology or however you like to get your comics these are the ones i think you should definitely take a look at but before we take a look at this week's books we've got to take a look back at last week's books with the geeks playing pick of the week of last week and for me it was tough there were a lot of good books last week but ultimately i decided on shang chi number six written by by Jean Lun Yang with art by DK Ruan. Uh, it's Shang-Chi versus Thor. What do you want from me? It was a fantastic book, a great wrap-up to the first series arc, and planting seeds for some really exciting and harrowing stuff for Shang-Chi as the book goes along. Pick it up. Now's the perfect time to jump on. Read Shang-Chi. But taking a look at this week's books, this week we got a whole ton of books to celebrate Thanksgiving. We have one, two, three, four, five, six. 13 books 13 books so let's go ahead and dive into this starting off appropriately with a brand new number one this is hawkeye kate bishop number one this is written by marieke nijkamp 
I am so sorry if I said that incorrectly, with art by Enid Balam. And this is basically supposed to tie in with the Hawkeye series. Not that it's, you know, like a tie into the show, but this is corporate synergy, as people like to uh, reference. Hawkeye, Kate Bishop is getting, you know, a new show, so she might as well get a new comic. And this time, she's heading back to New York. She's spent as much time as she can, not enough time by my book, on the West Coast, and now she's heading back to the East Coast to get some shit done. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Kate's heading home, or at least back to New York. And as much as she wants to go back to where her friends, her chosen family, are, she's changed since she was last on the East Coast. So she's picked up a pit stop case first, a confidence booster to prove to herself she's making the right decision and not going to backslide into her past just by changing time zones. Besides, the case is perfect. Swanky Resort? Check. Jewel Heist? Check. Almost definitely 100% a trap? Check. Don't miss this exciting new miniseries from New York Times bestselling writer Marieke Nijkamp and artist Enid Balam. So yeah, this sounds awesome. I am a sucker for a detective story, and luckily for me, Kate Bishop's stories are often detective stories, so can't wait to pick this up. Next up, we have another brand new number one, Black Panther number one. This has been very much uh, anticipated. Written by John Ridley, art by Wonka Ball. People have been waiting for this. It was very... very nerve-wracking when uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates wrapped up his run with Black Panther. It was almost a situation of, like, there is literally nobody who can pick up the torch here until we found out John Ridley would be taking on the mantle. Um, Absolutely amazing choice. Cannot wait to read this. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The Long Shadow, Part 1. New creative team, new direction. The long shadow starts here. Secrets from T'Challa's past have come back to haunt him. Fresh from returning from his travels in space, Black Panther receives an unexpected and urgent message from a Wakandan secret agent. Now, T'Challa must race the clock, not only to save his agent, but also to keep his true agenda under wraps. Because if the truth comes out, it could cost T'Challa everything. That's heavy and epic and i'm very excited to check this out next up we have captain america iron man number one just chock full of marvel number ones this week this is written by derek lon dark derek landy with art by angel unzueta and this is i guess the next uh captain america book that we can count on uh iron man still running strong with christopher cantwell captain america just wrapped up the united states of captain america also by christopher cantwell so this is the next uh comic to find cap in besides avengers books and tie-ins and events and stuff so let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here A government agent turned Hydra provocateur stages a daring breakout on her way to prison, attracting the attention of both Iron Man and Captain America. When Steve and Tony realize they both have a connection to the slippery fugitive, they team up to track her down, only to discover she's not the only player on the board with big plans and sinister motives. 
So yeah, sounds like a classic uh, Captain America Iron Man team up. I am looking forward to this for sure. Next up, another Marvel number one. We've got Hulk number one. This is written by Donny Cates with art by Ryan Otley. This is the next big... Uh, saga for the hulk uh lots of people are nervous about this myself included because immortal hulk art not with artist notwithstanding was a definitive run on the character uh al ewing's take on the hulk is legendary at this point so i am very interested to see what different take they have on the hulk especially since donny case just wrapped up venom and basically him and al ewing are switching books uh this is going to be very interesting so let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Mad Scientist, part one of six. Immortal no longer. A brand new creative team delivers a new, colossal-sized era. The uncontrollable rage of the Hulk has reached an all-new level, and nobody, including the Avengers, is prepared to handle it. But is it really the Hulk that people should be afraid of, or is there something missing to this puzzle? That's interesting. And the cover, which I'm looking at right now, has a little uh, classic, like, Ryan Otley-style text at the bottom where it says, What if the Hulk exists to protect us from Banner? That's super interesting. That's probably the thesis statement of Kate's run. Um, This is very cool. Looking forward to this. Next up, we have Iron Man number 14, written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Kafu. This is... Cosmic Iron Man. The birth of Cosmic Iron Man. We are heading towards the end game of the Iron Man versus Korvac saga. And now Iron Man has leveled the playing field against Korvac. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Behold the birth of Cosmic Iron Man. Iron Man has tasted a higher power and is forever changed. Moments before, he was locked in mortal combat with his worst adversary in years, Korvac. But now he finds his very existence altered beyond recognition. Indeed, fundamental concepts like space and time have taken on a new meaning. But what does this portend for Tony Stark, a man who even when stripped bare feels he knows best? What happens when his ego, often challenged, condemned, and even derided by both foes and friends is suddenly given a limitless avenue. It could certainly mean radical and drastic change for the entire universe and reality itself. So I was very excited at the start of this run when it looked like we were taking Tony back to basics, making him just a tech guy, stripping away a lot of like the nano stuff, a lot of the higher concept sci-fi stuff, and pulling him back to almost a mechanic level. And I'm gonna be honest, I'm not super jazzed about the whole let's make him a cosmic entity. Um, The way that it's gone into space, I was okay with, but now this feels kind of like it's jumping the shark. But I do have faith in Christopher Cantwell to tell the story. All Kafu's art is always incredible. So I will keep an eye on this book for sure. Next up, we have Radiant Black number 10. This is written by Kyle Higgins with art by Marcelo Casa and Igor Monti. And this book continues to impress. I think that it has... um, 
it has kind of lost its uh, agency. It feels like we are not sure exactly what the direction is, but at the end of last issue, we got a great cliffhanger, so I am very excited to see how they follow up on that. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Welcome to existence. An unimaginable infinity beyond space and time. Marshall is trapped there. But how and why can he make it out? And what is Catalyst? Lots of questions. Uh, let's see if the book ends up answering them all. Next up, we have X-Men number five. This is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Javier Pina and Z. Carlos. Uh, X-Men has been great. I've been really digging it. I love when X-Men are treated like heroes and they are diving into sci-fi stuff with the X-Men, which is always the best use of the X-Men. Uh, I love this book. I've been loving the X-Men ever since the, I mean, for a, a very long time, but this latest iteration, I think, hit the ground running, especially with all the sci-fi stuff. They battled a kaiju in the first uh, issue for God's sake. I've been loving this, looking forward to seeing more. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Fearless, Chapter 5. Enter Dr. Stasis. The X-Men's new nemesis finally makes himself known to them, bringing his creations to bear. Mutants may have conquered death, but their foes are all too living. Yeah, Sounds awesome, sounds epic, looking forward to this for sure. Next up we have Superman 78, number 4. This is written by Robert Venditti with art by Wilfredo Torres. And this, I mean, come on, this book's been great. It's been fantastic. Um, we are getting Brainiac, we're getting uh, Bottle City of Candor. we're getting Lex Luthor teaming up with Lois. Like, this is fantastic stuff, I love it so much. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Superman tries to assimilate into his new life in the bottled city of Kandor, but his heart lies elsewhere. Can Superman put his old life behind and find joy in what would have been his home? Or can Lois Lane and Lex Luthor make contact with the Man of Steel and give him hope to return to his adoptive world? Yeah. Tells you everything you need to know right there. No explanation needed. Next up, we have Thor number 19. This is written by Donnie Cates with art by Nick Klein. And this is kicking off the God of Hammers arc. Mjolnir is missing, and Thor is about to go on a journey to find it. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. God of Hammers, part one. God of Hammers starts here. Mjolnir has gone missing, said that already, and nobody, not even the powerful eyes of Lady Sif, is able to locate it. So Thor must turn to the last person he wants help from, Odin, for until the hammer is found, nobody in the realms is safe. So yeah, that sounds awesome. We, we've gotten a lot of the Mjolnir is, you know, rejecting Thor stories in the past, but this feels like it has the potential to be something different. And I'm hoping it is, because that's been a major complaint for much of this run, and especially this idea of, you know, Thor, of Mjolnir becoming heavier for Thor and easier for everyone else. So I'm hoping that Donny Cates and Nick Klein have the ability to make this feel different, and I believe that they do. So I'm looking forward to this for sure. Next up, we have Robin number eight. This is written by Joshua Williamson with art by Gleb Melnikov. And 
we're heading into the finals here. Uh, this is going to be a knockdown dragout brawl between Damian Wayne and Connor Hawk. We knew this was going to be the final bout, and I'm excited to see how this shakes out. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. It's time for a rematch. Robin and Connor Hawk face off for round two in their winner-take-all battle for League of Lazarus supremacy. But with the tournament nearing its end, what, per what surprises does Mother Soul have up her sleeve? I hope it doesn't involve that massive hellish pit and the immortal monster lying within it. Aw, oh, Beans, it's about that, isn't it? Aw, oh, Beans. I love that. Aw, oh, Beans. Just makes me think of... Uh... Uh, over the garden wall. But yeah, this is going to be fun. The Robin book has been the best shonen comic that DC has ever put out. I'm looking forward to this for sure. Next up, we have The Death of Doctor Strange number three, written by Jed McKay with art by Lee Garbetz. Death of Doctor Strange has been awesome. I've loved it so far. I didn't think I was going to love it this much, but it has been incredible. And now we are heading into some uh, pretty heavy territory. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Meet the three mothers. With no Sorcerer Supreme, Earth is left entirely defenseless against the mother, mothers, of all mystical threats. Meet the three mothers. The Weird, an alien mage princess. The Crown, a powerful warrior queen. And the Crawling, a monstrous composed of acid-mouthed worms. Will they be the Marvel Universe's undoing? And were they the ones who killed Stephen Strange? In the vein of the Black Order, don't miss the first appearances of the next great Marvel villain team. So that makes it sound like the mothers are going to be around for a while. The designs of the mothers are super cool, incredibly metal, and I am excited to see how they make their debut, and hopefully they stick around, because like I said, their designs are cool, the concept behind them is really cool, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with these characters. Next up, we have Detective Comics number 1045. This is written by Mariko Tamaki and Stephanie Phillips, with art by Dan Mora and David LaFamme. Fam. Uh, stupid. Um, this is the final Fear State tie-in for Batman Detective Comics. Uh, Fear State, the last Batman Fear State book was very close to getting that uh, pick of the week from last week. It was incredibly good. Uh, and this looks like it's going to be wrapping up any events from that before we head into the Arkham Tower stories. Uh, this has been incredible. I love the Mariko Tamaki, Dan Mora run of Detective Comics so far. It's been amazing. And I can't wait to see what they whip up for this issue. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Fear State, The Kano's Nightmare, Part 3, slash Foundations, Part 2. Batman and Mayor Nakano have freed themselves from the vile parasite-infected sewers of Gotham City, only to find the nightmare has risen higher than they had imagined. With the city streets being overtaken by larger, somehow even more horrific creatures, these two enemies must put aside their differences and save the city while there's still time. The skin-crawling, heart-pounding, terror-inducing installment of Fear State will change the nature of the Dark Knight and Mayor Nakano forever, and cast an eerie shadow over the next major Bat event to come. Then, in Foundations Part 2, Batman runs into an unlikely ally in his investigation at the Arkham Tower construction site. And believe us, Harley Quinn has a lot to say about all this. 
So yeah, uh, setting up the next arc while wrapping up the current arc all in one issue. Masterfully done if they can pull it off. Looking forward to this for sure. But the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is The Amazing Spider-Man number 79. This is written, of course, by uh, Kelly Thompson. Or, I'm sorry, this is now written by... They have that rotating story by. So it's, of course, story by Patrick Gleason, Zeb Wells, Saladin Ahmed, Kelly Thompson, and Cody Ziegler. This one is written by Cody Ziegler with art by Michael Dowling. And this is kicking off a new little mini arc where... Spider-Man's going up against a familiar foe, but hopefully this won't be the last hunt Ben Riley goes on. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Beyond Chapter 5. The aftershocks of the Morbius incident are still fresh in Ben Riley's mind, and he's faced with Craven the Hunter. A corporate-sponsored Spider-Man is more than Craven can bear, and the Hunter is going to test his prey like never before. The trap is set and the bait is ready. Now, it's just time to wait and watch. Oh, I'm so excited about this. My favorite Spidey rogue up against my favorite Spidey man. Very excited about this. Cannot wait to pick this up. I cannot stress how good Amazing Spider-Man Beyond is. Pick this up. It's so freaking good. But that is going to do it for this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we have Hawkeye, Kate Bishop number one, Black Panther number one, Captain America, Iron Man number one, Hulk number one, Iron Man number 14, Radiant Black number 10, X-Men number 5, Superman 78 number 4, Thor 19, Robin number 8, The Death of Doctor Strange number 3, Detective Comics number 1045, and The Amazing Spider-Man number 79. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings and reviews really do help me out, really helps the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space, kind of raises our stock up and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. And you can join the likes of our Dirty Dozen, including Seafire ND, Josh from Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88 Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider-Fan, Alok and AZ, and Sass. I want to say a big thank you to these people for their reviews. They are all fine folks and I cannot wait to hear yours. We are at 19 ratings right now. We're sitting pretty at 19 ratings. We're almost to 20. And if you want to be our 20th rating, make it a five-star rating and review. Get your name here with all of these incredible people. I cannot wait to hear your review. Also, if you want to be part of our Geeksplain mailbag, if you have a question for me, you want to get some, my thoughts on something in regards to geek culture or whatever, you want to learn more about me, feel free to ask. Um, or maybe you want a quick pitch or even some comic recommendations that we haven't covered on the podcast yet, feel free to send emails to geeksplain at gmail.com, put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read them here on the podcast. I read everything that you send to me. I love getting emails from you you guys really warms my heart makes my week so feel free to do that once again send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com put mailbag in the subject header and i will read it here 
Finally, if you want to follow the podcast, if you want to keep up to date, participate in polls that decide future episodes, or maybe you just want to shoot the shit on the latest geeky news, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. That's at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Got a lot of cool stuff coming up, so I cannot wait to share that with you. It's going to be a great time. A couple things I want to plug real quick. So, um... I had my procedure last week. I am finally getting some some answers. It was not fun afterwards getting that procedure. Apparently, I'm very sensitive to anesthesia. So uh, that was a rough night, but I'm feeling much better. Um, Hoping to uh, start the road to recovery. So thank you for everyone again who has checked in. I really do appreciate it. I love you guys. Um, and then something that's really exciting is that this Friday, as of this recording, we are dropping the finale of the Geek Explained Book Club with Invincible, the final issue. We are checking out Invincible issue 144, um, as well as kind of a retrospective on the entire series as a whole, talking about our favorite stuff, and maybe announcing some pretty cool stuff there too. So tune in this Friday for the feed, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss it, and also if you haven't yet, go back and check out all the episodes of the Geek Explain Book Club. I, alongside my co-hosts Malcolm Russell Nelson and Jacob Brown have been going through every single issue of every single volume of Robert Kirkman, Corey Walker, and Ryan Otley's Invincible, and I am very excited to wrap this up it's bittersweet but i love it we've had 27 or 28 now great episodes in episode 29 we'll be wrapping up invincible as a whole join us this friday for that and that's gonna do it for this week's episode and that's gonna do it for the month of november i feel like just yesterday it was october and now we are heading into december so tune in next week uh it's going to be another edition of the geek explained spotlight series and it's going to be a little christmasy so tune in next week for that same geek time same geek channel but for now for geek explain this is eric azana everyone have a wonderful happy thanksgiving i love you all uh stay safe and we will See you next time.